Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to this week's episode of Believe in Miami Heat podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rochester, and with me as always, fresh off a playoff win, Norris Cole. The champ is here! Ladies and gentlemen, Heat Nation, we're in the building. So, Norris, as I mentioned, your squad started off with a big win in the quarterfinals, and you're heading into the semifinals on Thursday and hopefully the championship on Saturday, just adding another championship by the time we get to next week's show, hopefully. So we'll, we'll add to that list that we brought up last week. So just update us. What's going on in your world? How's these playoffs games been going? Yeah, so we just, um, you know, we had the final eight in our league. Uh, we won our first game, so now we advance to the final four. Uh, we played Thursday against Strasburg. We we win that. We you know we play in the finals on Saturday. And then after that, I'll be on a plane back to America. So this is a this is an exciting week. Hopefully we can add another championship to the resume. Definitely. I'll be looking forward to next week talking about that championship. Yes, sir. All right. So before we get started, we have a quick word from one of our sponsors, Bet Online. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today and use your mobile device to join and receive 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Norris, Man, first... you did a great job on doing oh, that. Man. <laughs> First a, take Drake. I'm baby. a little rusty after that week off on vacation, you know, so I'm trying to jump back into it, but appreciate yes, that. So, you know, I actually, like I said, I was out West last week and uh, came back on the red eye on Sunday and then drove about two hours into the middle of Pennsylvania, middle of nowhere to catch up with my AAU squad playing at Spooky Nook. I don't know if you ever played at Spooky Nook. It's a, I think it's a newer facility, but it's in the essentially in the middle of nowhere. And one of the things I thought about, this was like the weekend before live period starts and the recruiting mm-hmm. really gets hot and heavy. Um, tons of talent in that gym. It's a girls tournament, but like 20 out of the top 30 in the 2022 class were there. And I was just thinking, you know, what what was your experience in AAU coming up in Dayton? Well, honestly, I didn't have that much experience in AAU. I didn't play that much AAU. After sixth, seventh grade, I didn't play that much AAU in high school. I went from basketball season to baseball and track and then, and then summer football seven on seven. And then after baseball and track and seven on seven football, the real football season started. And then after football season, then it was basketball season again. So I really didn't play that much AAU, honestly. So being a multi-sport <laughs> athlete, you didn't have time for it, essentially. Yeah, that's, yep. I, well, it's not that I didn't have time for it. I didn't make time for it. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it was a choice. It wasn't sure. a priority to me. I felt, I always felt like if I was, you know, if I was good enough, I was good enough. Somebody see me. If I'm not, then I'm not. What do you think, you know, today that's, that's, kind of a hot topic, you know, some parents or some kids, you know, choosing early on, maybe in sixth grade to focus on basketball or football and just having that single track while some people think it's better to be involved in two or three sports. What's your opinion on that? I mean, obviously coming as a multi-sport athlete, what do you think about it? I believe it's better to do multi-sport athlete at first um, because you, you learn skills from other sports that you just can't learn in just one sport. Like, Skills that you learn in baseball, you can't learn in football or basketball. Things that you learn on the track, you don't necessarily pick up and learn those things, you know, in a team sport. Uh, Things that you learn in football, the toughness in football or wrestling, 
you you don't learn that playing basketball, you know, and then the the conditioning, the running and cutting in basketball, you don't get that playing baseball. So I think each sport has its advantages in making you a better overall athlete. And so I would I would say as a parent, you know, you do what you want to do. But I think that to be a better athlete, I think you should try all the sports. And then as you get older and you see how your how your son or daughter's body develops, you know, obviously if a guy is seven feet, you know, in 10th grade, you know, you probably don't want to play football or wrestle, you know, sure. basketball is probably going to be the sport, <laughs> basketball or volleyball. If a guy is, you know, I don't want to talk about anybody, you know, short, but, you know, if a person is relatively short, but, you know, fast and muscular, you know, probably football or wrestling is probably going to be their sport. You know, I think until you get to like maturity, you know, 16, 17 years old, I don't think that it's what's best to specialize early, unless you're a phenom. Now, every now and then you have a phenom that comes around, but phenoms are phenoms. They're not the, the average. What positions did you play in those other sports? Um, baseball was second base and center field, you know, because I have my ability to, you know, change directions and sprint and catch the ball. Football was a quarterback, which translates to point guard for me in basketball. Sure. And uh, track and field, long jump was my thing. You and know, did you have I, any opportunity or was it always basketball if you were going to go on to play in college? Well, for me, I made the choice my senior year. I played all the sports all the way, including my senior year. I played all of them, but I felt like basketball had the best chance of playing pro. That's how I made my decision on what I was going to do. Um, before I committed to Cleveland State, I had committed to Walsh University, NAIA school, and they were going to let me play football and basketball. Um, but then when Cleveland State came along, which is, you know, Division One, I, I always wanted to play Division I. Um, and so Coach Waters at Cleveland State gave me a chance. And I felt that that was the best chance for me to be a pro athlete because I always my goal was to be a pro athlete at something. I think that was the right choice I made. <laughs> you know, kind of flipping it back to the AAU discussion, when you were being recruited, I would imagine a lot of these college coaches liked the fact that you were a multi-sport athlete. If you're a young athlete listening to this or a, maybe a parent of a young athlete listening to this, what, what did you hear in the recruiting process, you know, for basketball, let's say? Actually, I didn't even get recruited much at all, really. I mean, it was a few schools that did, like, entry level, but no, no, like, I only took two college visits, one to Walsh, one to Cleveland State. Wow. <laughs> um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't get a lot of heavy recruitment because they didn't see me quite, they didn't see me play enough. They only saw me play, you know, my high school ball. And my high school team was stacked with a lot of talent. You know, we had ESPN top 100s, multiples. Uh, we had McDonald's All-American. We had All-Staters. You know, so my high school team was stacked. And so, you know, they didn't get to see me play except for those, you know, few games that we played in, in the regular season. One of your former high school teammates was Daquan Cook, right? Former. Heat. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought so. Man, he was, he was awesome all world in high school. He was the best high school player in the country to me. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, so let's keep on talking about the Heat. We had uh, some good news in the last 24 hours. Bam Adebayo is selected to represent the Heat on Team USA. And, uh, you know, what's your reaction to that? Man, first of all, congratulations to Bam. Sure. You know, he's – I think he he's probably the best two-way young big in the league. You know, was this his third season? Yeah. And, you know, he's already having the development that he has. He's an elite defender already. You know, he's a high-level offensive player as well. Even though he has some developing to do, he's still a high-level offensive player as well. So to be able to represent our country and represent Heat Nation, I think I think that would be good for his development. 
and I think it'd also be good for his confidence. And, you know, we had two other guys that were finalists. Jimmy uh, turned it down. Um, and I think that's probably a, a good decision considering his age and, and the wear and tear that he took this season. And Duncan Robinson wasn't selected, it, it appears. It still seems like they're kind of sorting things out. But as of today, it's according to reports, there's 12 guys that have accepted offers. And so it seems like the team is full now. And, you know, and Duncan's going to have a lot going on with free agency this summer. So that's probably a difficult thing for him. Do you have any reaction to some people on Heat Twitter have reacted somewhat in a disappointing way that Bam is going to lose out on rest? And I and I, I say this kind of jokingly because I know how you're going to react to this. I'm, I'm kind of throwing you a, a softball down the middle on this. But what, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, one, he's young. <laughs> he's young. You know, so rest is no such thing as rest. You know, he's young, he's healthy, he's fresh. And like I said, this is the Olympics. This is for for a lot of people. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, so to be able to represent your country, that's something that, you know, we should be pushing him to do. You know, he'll have plenty of rest. You know, we lost in the first what the first round. Yeah. So it's been about three weeks. It's been about three weeks. You know, you only need two weeks of rest before you start back working out. So, you know, I think he, he'll he be fine. You know, we have the best trainers in the world, Team USA. So I think I think he'll be just fine. And I think it'll be, like I said, great for his confidence. Plus, you know, the Heat know how to manage. It's not the first he's not the first Olympian that the that the Heat program has had. So they all know how to manage him if he needs a little bit of rest to start the preseason. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the the gain that he can get from being around Coach Pop, um, Jay Wright's on that staff, Steve Kerr's on that staff, uh, Lloyd Pierce is on that staff. So you're talking about some of the best coaches in the world. And, and not that Eric Spolster isn't also in that group of great coaches, right. but just hearing a different voice, uh, I think that can can speak to the confidence that you were talking about and helping him grow his game. No, for sure. Like I said, he, that staff team you would say is going to be great for him. He's going to be able to be around a bunch of other – elite, talented guys that he can learn from and compete with every day. He's going to compete against some of the top players in Europe, in the EuroLeague, you know, most of the guys who which I've been playing against all season long. And so I think all around the board, it's all positive. You know, the rest thing, <laughs> he's not an old vet. I understand if he'd yeah. been in the league, you know, 10, 12, you know, 13 years, but he's his third year in the league. What was he, 23, 24 years old? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. He has plenty of time to rest. <laughs> Our second point on the heat, you know, not not as uh, exciting news. We had to hear the announcement that Ron Culp, uh, the original trainer of the Miami Heat, uh, into the mid-2000s, he was still the trainer uh, before passing it off to of Jay Sable, uh, passed away um, earlier in the month. And so, you know, Norris, he wasn't the trainer when you were there in Miami, but uh, as we talked beforehand, um, you were familiar with him, you met him, and, and I think – his impact is long lasting, even though he's one of those guys behind the scenes of heat culture. So, you know, what do you, what do you remember about meeting Ron Culp or maybe his impact in the heat training room? Yeah, I definitely met Mr. Culp. I want to send prayers out, my condolences to his family. Um, he's, he's a heat lifer, you know, he's, he's one of the original members of the heat family. He always had that energy. You know, when I met him, I was, you know, obviously I was a young player and he always had that energy. Anytime he came in the room, he always brightened up the room. He always had a nice joke for you. He always had a nice sense of humor. Uh, and that's what I remember. You know, I'm sure all the guys there who he, you know, helped and served, I'm sure they appreciate him. And, you know, hopefully his family, you know, they remember all the good times. Um, Mr. Cope, you know, he was a, he was a nice guy. And the Heat Nation will we'll definitely remember him forever. 
Yeah, and he's he's another Ohio guy. He graduated from Bowling Green. I think he was from Medina, if I remember correctly. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so he has that in common with the two of us. And, you know, he's he's one of those guys that, you know, like I said, behind the scenes, there's a lot of people you think of, you know, Udonis Haslam and Alonzo Mourning as the the pillars of heat culture. But there are a lot of smaller pillars that are behind the scenes that that hold that thing up. And there's so many people in that heat franchise that have been there since the beginning, you know, in the in the late 80s when when this all started. So it's kind of a cool thing that the Heat, I think, are unique in that have guys or have ladies that have been around since the beginning of the franchise. Yeah, that's that's part of that Heat culture. You know, Pat likes to work with familiarity. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't like a bunch of new faces. He wants people who understands the goal, who understands the mission. And when he, when he finds that, you know, he, he keeps them around for a long time. And that's that's what part of that's what makes the fabric of, you know, Heat culture. Definitely. So speaking of a familiar face or maybe a, a new face here on Heat Twitter, there's been some rumors. Um, there is a, a certain three level score. And we talked about that last time. That might be a priority for the Heat. And that's Brandon Ingram. And maybe available is maybe unhappy in New Orleans with his fit. What do you think if he were to come available and we're not going to get into, you know, the salary cap and trading guys and who we're going to trade and any of that stuff. But what do you think about Brandon Ingram's fit? if he were to come available for Miami. Mm-hmm. I like that fit. Yes, sir. Brandon Ingram, three-level scorer. We had just talked about that. You know, he's young. You know, he's six foot ten. I think he fits in very well with, you know, Jimmy Butler, Bam out of Bayou. I think, I think that would be a complete front court right there with Jimmy, Bam, and Brandon Ingram. I, I, I like that fit. I, I, I like that fit a lot. <laughs> Let's you put know, that out he, here. Let's hope, let's hope, let's hope, you know, <laughs> let's hope that can happen, you know. <laughs> you know, and he's kind of a guy that bridges between Jimmy's timeline and Bam's timeline. He's not a young guy that still needs development that would fit more around Bam's, but he's also right. not a veteran like, you know, a Kyle Lowry would be a great addition, but he only has so many years left. And, and Brandon exactly. Ingram, like you said, is so young that he kind of bridges between the two. He And he's a bucket. I mean, he – Certified bucket. The guy that he reminds you of is probably KD just because of his length and the way that he can get mm-hmm. to his shots. What do you think defensively? Do you think he can he can buy into that in Miami? I, I think he's 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 actually a pretty decent defender, you know. Yeah, I, well, you won't have no choice when you come to Miami. You're gonna buy into the culture or you're gonna leave. So, you know, I, I don't think that's something you have to worry about. But I think he has what you can't teach. You know, you can't teach height, you can't teach length, you can't teach athleticism. And he has all three of those. And so that makes for at least a solid defender and the potential to be an elite defender. Yeah, that's a great point about the tools that he already has. And and he has what we don't have is that three-level score that can just create his own offense. He Absolutely. Can 20 to 25 a night. Easy. Yeah, yeah he, would be, he would be a heck of an addition. Um, so let's jump out and talk about these uh, playoff matchups. And, and we've been talking about them over the past few weeks we finally had the second round end. And so there's three matchups that we've talked about that have come to an end. And let's start with the Bucks and the Nets. Uh, a great game seven. We talked a little bit beforehand. What was your reaction? It was a great game, but your reaction to Kevin Durant's shot, the overtime, just the thrilling finish of that series. Man, first of all, that shot KD made, <laughs> listen, that shot KD made, boy, whoo, it was a, that could have been like this one of the like highlight shots you know how like Jordan made the shot on Elo or like how you know Braun made the shot against uh, Indiana for the Pacers or like you know one of those shots Kobe made against Phoenix Suns like that was going to be one of those epic 
playoff shots, man. And so uh, it's still epic, but you know that shot was crazy. But I think that series was exactly the way it was supposed to be. I think those were the two best teams in the East, in my opinion. And, you know, it went to game seven. Things might have been different if, you know, the Nets were healthy, but, you know, you can't control that part of it. And so I think it's it's going to be great to see Giannis continue to grow. It's going to be great to see that team continue to take the next step. And my pick is still safe for the finals right now. <laughs> the injuries obviously had an impact on it. And the Bucks may have won anyways, but certainly not having Kyrie Irving. And, and James Harden, he gets a lot of heat for coming up short sometimes in the playoffs. And he didn't have statistically very good games, but for him to go out there and play almost on one leg and match up with Giannis a lot of the time and, and constantly refuse those doubles, um, yeah. you know, I think he deserves credit. And it's not statistically, but his impact kept them into games or kept them in the ability to win games in some of those situations. And just by pure inspiration, just getting out there, knowing that he wasn't 100%, just getting out there trying to give it a go. Yeah, you know, he wasn't able to be the James Harden that we know, but he definitely helped the team and he gave them a chance to win. And I think once he gets healthy, I think we'll see the real, you know, James Harden, um, the playmaker. He wasn't able to create separation the way he normally would if he could, you know, if he was healthy. And so part of being on a championship team is being lucky and being healthy at the right time. And the Bucks, you know, have that going for them right now. All right, so let's switch over to the other series in the East, the Sixers and the Hawks. And the another game seven, and the Hawks were able to win in Philly. And being in Philadelphia, it, it hasn't been safe to go outside. I've stayed in my house for the last two days, got the door locked, windows closed. Yeah, yeah you need to do that. Yeah, it's wild out there. So what were your reactions to that? I don't think either of us expected the Hawks to win this series. I mean, it, it was surprising. Um, Uh-oh. The... <laughs> The, the closer the series got, the closer the games got, the, the more I trusted Atlanta over Philly because their inability to make free throws and, you know, them turning the ball over so much. And in the close games, the team that can make free throws and turn the ball over less is the team that you trust and the team that's more than likely going to win. And that's kind of what happened. You know, Philly, I would say, probably had the bigger stars, the more star power, the, probably the more talent. But when it came to being able to make – fundamental plays, not turn the ball over and make free throws, Atlanta had the advantage, the clear advantage. And um, I think that was – that's what ultimately decided, you know, the series. What do you think – I've heard you talk many times since we've recorded about the mental side of the game. And mm -hmm. Ben Simmons clearly is a great, talented player, you know, a great athlete. But the mental side, passing up the dunk in the free throws Ooh. and stuff like that, how do you fix that? I mean, what do you – there's not a drill that you can do in the offseason, you know, like to work on your right hand or to work on, you know, your jump shot. Your brain and the mental side of it, that, that's a difficult fix. Yeah, but the work that you put in helps with that. When you do something over and over and over again, it's called the, the 10,000 hours. You, you, you master when, – when you put 10,000 hours into doing something, you become a master at it. It's a book. There's a book about that as well. But yeah, he got to put his 10,000 hours in. He got to put his reps in. And that'll help with your confidence. You know, when you when you make shots thousands and thousands of time and shoot shots thousands and thousands of time and you see it with your eyes, repetition thousands and thousands of time, it gives you more confidence. And then also, you know, you know, I'm not sure what he does to strengthen his mind, you know, but maybe, you know, do some reading, maybe talk to a sports psychologist you know, something to, to kind of open his mind up to, to, to help him on the mental side. But repetition is key. You can't replace that. 
you can't replace repetition. Repetition comes first, and then everything else. I think once I think this this I think this could be good for his career. Actually, you know, I know it hurts right now, and everyone's talking about you know his inability to score and shoot, which you know that did happen. But I think you know as a competitor, I think this could be good for him to turn around to go into this summer, attack the summer, work on his game, get his mind right, and I think we could see. I think next season we could see, you know, a, a fired up Ben Simmons. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because he's super talented. He's a great defender. He's a great passer, you know. And he's young. That, and he's young. Exactly. I think he's 24. So, yeah. you know, same thing that he – Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Exactly. Um, so, I don't know, you know, I, I think that there there could be a hard time bringing him back in Philly just because of the fans and because of the the city and how passionate they are about the sports. And, and, and I know sometimes you don't make decisions – based on what fans want. That's certainly not how right. this works. Right. But, man, that's going to be a hard sell for a, a tough city, a tough sports city. But like you said, imagine if he locks himself away, works all summer long, comes back out, and he's you know knocking down short jump shots. He's scoring at the basket. That city's going to flip on him and, and support him right away too. Right. And he, he doesn't have to shoot threes and stuff like everyone's saying. He just has to make free throws. If he makes free throws, he doesn't – you know. Because the, the the name of the game is putting the orange ball in the basket. It doesn't say how you need to do it. He doesn't have to be a shooter. You know, he can score. You can score without necessarily shooting a lot of threes and jump shots. You know, there's floaters. He's six foot ten. There's jump hooks. There's transition. You know, and then make free throws because his ability to attack. He's going to get nine to ten free throws, and then you, if you can make seventy five percent of those, that's twenty points right there. So. Mm-hmm. I think if he if 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 he listens to the right advice and he has the right people in his ear telling him that, like you don't need to shoot a bunch of threes. You just need to make your free throws and have your you know your touch shots within 10 to 12 feet of the basket. If he makes those at a high clip, he's gonna score 20 points a game and, and get the the nine rebounds and the seven assists that he already is getting. All right, let's move into that other Western Conference series. We had already talked about the Sun series. It was over when we recorded last week. So Clippers and Jazz. Uh, Clippers were able to win in six. It was Mm -hmm. surprising to me. It wasn't surprising to you. You've been on the Clippers bandwagon throughout this series. What did you see in that series? Well, I saw the Ty Lue effect. The Ty Lue effect is real. I also saw Paul George, you know, play like he's supposed to play. You know, (laughs) you know. Yeah. You know, people are only, you know, people are only when he when he has those tough series, you know, calling pandemic P. But though this series, he was playoff P straight up. He he played like a superstar. He led the team with Kawhi being out. And this is the Paul George that we all know and that we all look forward to seeing. And so, you know, I, I, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, Donovan Mitchell was a little bit banged up as well. And, and that kind of played a part. But. The, the Clippers have one thing that that's the great equalizer and they have the three point shot and they don't just have one person that can do it. They have like seven or eight people that can do it. And so when you have seven or eight guys that can make three or four threes in one game in the same game, it's going to be hard to beat that team. And no matter how many points they're down, they can always go on the run like they did. And shout out to the young fella, young man. Terrence man. You know, yeah. Terrence man was the next man up. And he did his thing out there. Yeah, it's it's interesting because if you look at the matchups that they could have, whether it's with the um, with the Hawks or with the Bucks, or obviously now with the Suns, 
their ability to play small and spread the court out with all those shooters, you know, whoever they play at the five, even though it's really not going to be a five most of the time, can shoot the ball. It's going to make Aiton uncomfortable. It's going to make Lopez uncomfortable. And it's going to it's going to cause ripple effects, I think, on the other end of the floor that the opponent's going to have to match up with them. And, and they've shot the ball well all series or all season. It's not just been just the series. They can shoot the ball over the course of 80-something games now. Yeah. But, well, Phoenix is different, though, because, you know, Rudy Gobert is limited offensively. DeAndre Aiden is not. Yeah. So even though, you know, you, you believe that you can have the advantage attacking him in the pick and roll, DeAndre Aiden can stay in the game because he's going to dominate down at the other end and he's going to be able to make up for it. Whatever you do, you know, whatever he's not able to do defensively, he's going to more than make up for it on the offensive end. So this is going to be a this is going to be a competitive series. And I, I think Phoenix has a chance, but I'm going to stick with my pick right now. I'm going to stick with the Clippers. Devin yeah. Booker is hey, Devin Booker is emerging, though. I mean, he was already a young star, but he he's emerging as like <laughs> one of the elite of the elites. Yeah, if there was any question, and if you're in your first Western Conference Finals game, you get a triple-double. I mean. A 40-point triple-double. Don't leave that out. <laughs> all, those, all those questions are gone now. Like, he, he's legit. All right, so before we get into the Final Four and make our picks or maybe just stick with our picks, we do have a quick ad from our supporter, Bet Online. If you want to take your own Finals bet, head over to Bet Online, and we're going to have Norris help out our listeners by breaking down these Final Four series. And we're going to start with the Bucks and the Hawks. So if you want to make a pick. I'm going Bucks. Do you want to give us bucks in how many games? What do you think? I'm going – I want to be respectful because <laughs> – I'm going to be respectful, so I'm going to say bucks in five. Ooh, that was the respectful way of going about it. Yeah, I just don't see anybody matching up with Giannis, quite frankly. I, I just don't see any – and they just came off a tough series with the best score in the league and with James Harden, you know, that, that dynamic that they just played against in Brooklyn. I think that's going to give them tremendous confidence. And they have plenty of defenders you know, that, that they can throw out at the, you know, Trey Young and the other young guards that they have, you know, P.J. Tucker, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and you got Pat Connington. You know, they got a plethora of, you know, guys that can defend the wing position. And then Giannis is just, you know, going to be too much, I believe. And I think this is where you're going to start to see, again, the not having Cam Reddish, not having DeAndre Hunter, those long athletic wings that Absolutely. I think they can match up with Giannis, but they would at least be a body to throw there. Uh, I agree. Actually, I was going to, I thought you were going to go bucks in six when you thought you were going to be respectful about it. So I was going to go bucks in five also. Um, okay. I hope it's competitive. You know, I really like what the Hawks have done and it's a great story, but I think the right. story probably comes to an end here. Well, I like, I like Trey Young. I think Trey Young is also emerging as a young star too. You know, we gave Luca Doncic a lot of credit for what he did in his first round of the playoffs. I think we got to give Trey Young that same energy. He was a star. In these first two rounds, New York and against Philly. So, you know, he he's definitely emerging, you know, as that next wave of elite talent coming coming through the league. Yeah, Trey and, and Booker have been two guys that have kind of been labeled as that, like they can score, but they're on bad teams. And and they're certainly proving that wrong now. Like the empty calorie guys is what some people call it. But that's exactly that's not the case anymore. I mean, no, look, sir. Look at where they're at right now. Uh, so let's move over. I know who you're going to pick in this series because you've been on this the whole playoffs, but Suns and Clippers. I'm going Clippers and mm, I'm going Clippers in six. And just for reference, as we record this, this is ahead of game two. So right now, right. as we know it, it's Suns one nothing. Uh, exactly. So you're going Clippers in six. I'm going to go Suns in seven. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm going to go Suns in six. And I've been on the Suns. Um, 
I think the Kawhi injury, it's going to be hard for them to overcome that. And it's unfortunate because this would be a heck of a matchup. Um, exactly. I'm excited to see Chris Paul finally get to the finals. You know, he's had so many different times where weird things have popped up. It sounds like he'll be back for game three with this COVID scare. I'd like to see it. I like to see the Suns in the finals. That would be nice. And um, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even take into account, you know, Kawhi. That that is a big injury. But I, I think the way Paul George is playing, I, I'm we're gonna see if he can take that next step as a superstar, you know. And if he can, I believe the Clippers have a good chance. But I wouldn't be surprised if Phoenix wins, but I gotta just stay consistent with my, you know, with my pick right now. All right. So speaking of staying consistent, you have had the Clippers over the Bucks as your pick. Are you sticking with that? I'm assuming. No, I'm not sticking with that right now. <laughs> no. No, I don't, I don't think I'm sticking with that right now. Because um, without Kawhi, without Kawhi, it's going to be tough. But I believe in Ty Lue. That's the thing. I, I believe so much in Ty Lue. But Giannis is, I think if Giannis gets there, I think I think he's going to, without without the Kawhi effect, I am I'm, I'm, I think right now, judging by what I've seen, I'm, I'm going to go with the Bucks right now. <laughs> I'm going to switch it up. But I can go back, though. I got to see how things go. But right now, I'm going to switch it up and go with the Bucks. Yep. Every week we have the option to edit our picks. So I had Suns over the Nets, and now I'm going to switch it to Suns over the Bucks. I would definitely like to see that series. I think that would be a super competitive series. I think that if the Clippers can get there, I think it would be a competitive series also. Overcoming the Kawhi injury at that point is probably in the rearview mirror. Um, and like you said, Ty Lue, you know, Pat Riley always says a series doesn't start until somebody wins on, uh, on the road. And it's like yeah. Ty Lue, the series doesn't start until he gets down 0-2 and, and then let's go. Like, it's it's wild that they can dig out of that. Both Absolutely. And, it's, and they're great matchups. You know, it's it's four teams that have not won a championship since the merger and stars, obviously, that have not been on that on that platform. You know, you're either going to get a Giannis-led team, a Trey Young-led team, uh, a Devin Booker and Chris Paul-led team, and a Kawhi or Paul George-led team. Like, that's that's great. You know, Kawhi's been there, but these other guys have been there before. Exactly. So it'll be, and like I said, it's the new way. I know Chris Paul has been around for a while, but everyone else is like the new way. They showing that, you know, the, the league is going to be in good hands, you know, as the, you know, as the veteran guys, you know, phase to the twilight of their career. These young, these young up-and-coming guys are letting the world know. They're putting the world on notice that, hey, we can ball too. All right, guys. Well, if you enjoy Believe in Miami Heat podcast, which is presented by Bet Online, please like or subscribe whenever you listen to our podcast. It's quick and easy. But if you rate and review, hit those five stars for the champ and myself. We're working hard to bring you great Heat content and definitely appreciate your support. Thank you for tuning in. And Norris, please close us out. Heat Nation, another episode. We appreciate you. And we out! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.